Yeah. <clears throat> so, hope you had a good rest and you have arrived meanwhile a bit more. And usually, you know, we have planned to read every morning um, after the first sitting to read the monastic mind motivation or the work offering alternatively every day to just set the mind in the right uh, direction for the day. And today we didn't meet in the morning, so I'll start with reading that out first to give us you know, a regular reminder of what we are trying to create here for these 10 days. And then when you leave, you can take it home with you. Having a monastic mind benefits our Dharma practice, whether we are monastics or lay practitioners. A monastic mind is one that is dedicated to cultivating mindfulness, clear knowing, love, compassion, wisdom and humility. Being mindful of the interconnectedness of all sentient beings, I will relate to others with patience, kindness and compassion. I will be mindful of my precepts and values and will cultivate clear knowing of my thoughts and feelings, as well as how I speak and act. With respect for others and confidence in my own good qualities, I will be gracious and easy for others to speak to. In all these activities, I will endeavor to remember impermanence and the emptiness of inherent existence and act in accordance with the Noble Eightfold Path. So that's, you know, it's uh, full of um, thoughts and full of uh, qualities will come back to again and again during these next days together. So, you know, it's not that we have to necessarily understand everything what is written there, but just let it sink in. You know, we don't have to process it through the um, intellect. You can just let it sink straight into the heart and see what happens. So, we just start by. Again, bringing the mind and the body together for this next sitting, which is um, like 45 minutes. So take a posture you can sustain for 40 minutes. And it doesn't really matter if you're sitting on a chair or sit on the cushion on the, on the mat. But what is important is that you have a straight back. And for those of you who have never meditated before, I'll give some basic instructions and we also have a special meeting with those who have never meditated before tomorrow. So you have an opportunity you know, to have more one-to-one instruction in the group. But basically, you know, what is the most important thing about meditation that I would like to kind of... Uh, make much of is meditation is not about achieving anything or you know kind of accumulating more of something it's 
really all about letting go because what we would like to realize, you know, is already here. It's already always with us. It's just that it is covered over by countless layers of ignorance or we can also call it conceptual mind or ignorance or conditioning. So what we are doing here in the meditation is to remove one uh, after another of those layers. So I think, you know, if you remember that, it takes out a certain element of stress, I feel, because we are so conditioned in this uh, consumerist society to constantly get more in order to be happy. That's the message we get on an unconscious level as well. And, you know, it, it has a big impact onto us. And a lot of it, we are not aware of it. So just rest assured, you don't have to kind of accumulate anything in this time together. You don't have to, you know, um, you know push yourself to study hard or to take, you know, to kind of catch something to take away with you when you go home. It's rather that we encourage you to leave something behind, to leave some of your conceptual um, patterns behind. That would be a great thing if you could at least one, leave it here. And you can, you know... Um, encourage that living behind, that shedding through insight. Because that's the only way, you know, to cut through with the sword of insight and just leave it behind. And this whole retreat is geared towards enabling you, you know, to sharpen the knife with concentration and collecting the mind. Samatha, that's one uh, leg or one half of the meditation and then cutting through with insight vipassana and you know we can't really say where some of the ends and vipassana starts that's just a mode of speaking like many of the things we'll be speaking about over the next days they are concepts and they have limitations but nevertheless you know in this realm we communicate with language and we use it but we don't hang on to it. We just use it as pointers, but then if you're not looking in the right way, we won't see anything. So don't get hung up on the concepts, just use them and then put them down. There's a very lovely uh, sentence of Rumi. He says, language is like a tailor's shop where nothing fits. So, and that's not anabodhis in my fault. This is just how it is. So we still try to speak to you. But, you know, there might be misunderstandings because we're different cultures and everything. So it's just a skillful means, but don't believe it 100%. So straight back, bringing body and mind together by being aware of the body breathing in and breathing out. Not thinking about it, but just sensing it.
That's the best word I can find for this. Sensing it. The movement. And what it is to be a body. And what qualities it has right now. Instead of completely identifying with it, we are stepping back and, you know, like looking onto it. And then we have different sensations which we can identify as whatever, you know, hard and cold and hot. Pulsing. Just becoming aware of this process, we call it body. That's just a concept. We just go underneath it. We go right into it. That's also sometimes, you know, called grounding. Coming down from the head, from the intellect, into the body, into the heart. Something, you know, we have to cultivate because we are not used to that so much. Our culture doesn't encourage it. Because our culture has excelled, you know, in intellectual endeavors has you know kind of being able to come up with amazing feats like flying to the moon and things like that. But when it comes to the afflictive emotions that doesn't really help much. Only you know understanding the processes will set us free. And it all starts with grounding ourselves in the body so we can become aware of what's happening through experience rather than thinking about it. And the meditation is a technology for exactly that. And it looks like kind of nothing special, but it's very powerful. It has an accumulative effect over the years, over lifetimes. So it's easily overlooked because it doesn't look anything big or grand. It's just slowly and quietly gains momentum. And then when we look back over a few years, we can see what has changed.
So we need patience and real dedication for this to work. And people like the two of us, we are here to kind of confirm to you that this is something which is worthwhile and that it works. And we'd like to share with you you what we have learned so far in those over 20 years of doing this work. Encouraging you to, to trust that you're on the right track with this. Like we trusted you know, our teachers. So whenever the mind wanders off into thinking about the past, about the future, hopes and fears, your preferred you know, story you usually distract yourself with, just for this period of meditation, just don't allow that to go on and on. As soon as you notice it, just come back. And then feel the no resistance to letting go, but nevertheless, just do it. So we train ourselves in this you know, ability to just let go and snap out of this pattern and come back to the present moment, and then we get pulled in into it again and then we let go again and come back to the present moment and through that we wear it out that's what we are doing very simple and if you feel a little bit tired open your eyes and bring a bit of energy into the posture take a deep breath Put your head straight up. The balance between relaxation and alertness. So knowing that you are breathing in when you are breathing in and knowing that you are breathing out when you are breathing out. It's kind of boring, I must admit, but it, it refines the mind, you know. Because if the mind can stay with a boring object like this, it has to come down, you know, from 
only wanting to attend to really exciting things, cause. Because that's easy, you know, to attend to a chocolate cake if you're hungry. But to attend to the breath, if you rather would like to go for a walk or maybe go to sleep, that's much more difficult. And that, you know, forces the mind or encourages the mind to refinement. The dependence on, you know, exciting objects, just it gets worn out. So the mind becomes able to perceive very subtle things. And through that, insight is encouraged. We kind of, you know, make the mind receptive for that which it normally can't see. We call it unconscious. We prepare it to become more and more conscious by this technology of meditation is the skillful means. It's like inviting, you know, inviting wisdom and compassion to dawn on us through making the conditions right. Because we can't force it. Like you can't force a flower to blossom, but you can make the conditions for it. You know, protecting it, watering it, giving it manure and protecting it from too much sun. All of those things you can do. And this retreat is a very highly supportive set of conditions for you know the flower of wisdom, the blossom, the lotus, the jewel in the lotus to shine forth on its own by putting the conditions into place for it to happen. And that's what we try to do. Then we have to just let it be, let laws of nature take their own course. It's slightly different for everybody according to our what's called karma. But because we're all human beings, we have also a lot in common. And uh, Buddha, the Shakyamuni Buddha, who lived over 2,500 years ago, he has uh, you know, been able to <coughs> pass on a very clear system of how to do that work. And we still benefit from his clarity. And now we don't have to invent the wheel, we can just follow So that saves us a lot of miles, I guess.
And the both of us, we have understood like a certain amount of this teaching and we try to share it with you. Knowing that you are breathing in when you are breathing in and knowing that you are breathing out when you are breathing out. And if you feel tired, please open your eyes. Take a deep breath. Anyway, you know, if you prefer to sit with open eyes or half open eyes, it's very good too. It lifted up to you what is most conducive. But you know, experience has shown that, especially in the first few days, when you come from a busy life, there's a tendency to sloth, actually. Because suddenly, you know, you don't have to do this and that, and then the whole system kind of, because it's often tired and exhausted, it just kind of shuts down. So, know that this is kind of normal, but we can also... Meet it with skillful means and opening your eyes is very good. Even it can be a bit unpleasant actually because it feels much better to just in a retreat inside and become unconscious really. It's just the opposite of what we try to do in the meditation. Not retreating, you know, from the world, but grounding ourselves in the body and fully opening to the world. Because that's where we are learning from. We're learning from experience.
So please be aware. You know, it's not about uh, completely relax, relaxing, because then we tend to become unconscious even more. It's quite warm in here, so put in some what's called right effort, virya. You know, and uh, straighten your back. Your head is on top of the shoulders, straight. Chin is a little bit tucked in. It's really important to uh, bring awareness into the posture. It's crucial for preparing the mind, you know, for insight. It's a basic condition. Because, you know, the mind tends sometimes to fool us by just shutting down. It's not necessary because we are tired, but this is just one way of uh, avoiding. And later on we'll speak about the five hindrances. So that's not... You know, it is not something unknown to meditators. It's completely normal, but it's good to be aware and meet them with skillful means. Knowing that you are breathing in, when you are breathing in, and knowing that you are breathing out, when you are breathing out. Very simple. This is the kind of meditation, it's written in the scriptures the Buddha has been doing uh, on the night of his enlightenment. It's called in a Pali language, Anapanasati, mindfulness with breathing in and breathing out. And through this, you know, attending mindfully to the breath, we are going deeper and deeper into the process of body and mind, and we can see what's happening there. And usually the first insight arising is... um, seeing impermanence, that everything is constantly changing. Like for example the breath.
So two more, th uh, three more minutes. Encouraging the mind to stay with the breath rather than going into stories. So now we have the first period of walking meditation and I just give some um, explanations about that. It's not, you know, basically not different from the sitting meditation. We're doing the same thing, staying with one object and whenever the mind goes off into thinking, we come back to the object as soon as we notice it. In the sitting, we took the breath as the object, and in the walking, we take the sensation of the foot, feet, the foot soles touching the ground. 
So that's the only difference. And then, you know, once we have more capacity for refinement, we can also take the breath during the walking meditation. But for now, we start with the sensation of the feet touching the ground. And can you demonstrate, please? So you, you start by choosing a path and you determine you know, where it begins and where it ends. You can maybe put like a stone or a twig or just natural points you know, which show you where it starts and ends so you don't have to decide always you know, where it starts and ends. So that keeps you um, free from having to think about that. And then you just stand at one end of the path and you... Just bring the body and the mind together again, just being fully aware of standing. And then once you, you know, you're fully collected there, then you start walking. And your mind is with the sensation of the feet touching the ground. And your hands can be like this, or it can be on the side or on the back. And then when you come at the end of the pass, you stop. And you know that you are stopping when you are stopping. And then you're knowing that you are turning when you're turning. Which means you know, you're not thinking about it, but you just know how it is if the body is turning. And then you walk again. Yeah. And the eyes are about two or three meters in front of you on the path. Hmm? Yards in front of you on the path. And you just try to stay with that. And then if there's many interesting things happening left and right, you feel that you want to look, but you just stay with it. And sometimes you just look automatically because you're not mindful enough. As soon as you notice it, oh, you're not a lovely bird or a beautiful car, <laughs> come, back. <laughs> come back to the boringness of the path. And just know that it's good for something, you know. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a punishment. Or so. It's an empowerment, really, on the, on the long run. Even it doesn't feel like it, you know. It feels like nothing. That's the secret of meditation, you know. The, it, it starts to dawn on you as you keep going, if you're breaking through and through the resistances, you know. That it's, it's the empowerment, letting go of the resistances, so it's, you know, if, if somebody wouldn't have told me that, I, it, it I wouldn't have noticed it myself. So, because it's, it's, so, it's so un, you know, unflam, it's not flamboyant or anything wonderful. But I trust, you know, that the Buddha knew what he was uh, teaching. So I'd like to inspire the trust in you as well. And we have also opportunities for question and answers. So if it's not quite clear about the walking meditation, then there's an opportunity to ask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You always stay on the same path, you know, during the whole session of 40 minutes or so. And please, you know, don't cross each other's path because that would just complicate things. So you have your own path, and for that session, that's your path. And then next time you might find another one, or some people might just stick to their path. And then maybe feel, you know, you're concerned that next time you have your path again, you quickly put on your shoes and run outside, and then somebody's on your path, and then you feel like, mm. then you just work with that. So that's all part of the meditation. Right? 
Is there any qu quick question about the walking meditation? Then we can quickly answer it. It's not, an, it's not complicated. It's just very simple. It's just st staying with the sensation of walking. And that's a very good way also to integrate the practice. You know, to integrate mindfulness with movement. Because this is a little bit more difficult than just sitting on the cushion. But it's much closer actually to what we do in daily life. Because we very rarely sit only on the cushion in daily life. We walk around, we do things. So walking meditation is not inferior to sitting meditation. It's it's very skillful means, you know, for integration. And there's then also standing meditation, which we do at one point, and also lying down meditation. But um, for right now, we don't do that because we're going to fall asleep probably. But it's something we speak about at one point because you can use that in the evening, you know, or at the rest periods. All right, then um, we're going to go for walking meditation and then we'll be back here at 10.15 for sitting. And, you know, the mindfulness we have already cultivated today, just now when you're getting up and you go into the cloakroom, put on your shoes and the jacket, opening the door, and all of, all of this can be done with mindfulness. So, you know, we try to not interrupt the um, momentum of cultivation. That's very important also. And it doesn't mean, you know, you have to walk very slowly or something. You just walk uh, appropriately, you know, not keeping everybody kind of waiting because you're opening the door very slowly in order to look super mindful. So just be normal if you can. <laughs> For example, in the, you know, in the forest tradition, we are encouraged to walk just in a normal pace. Or maybe a little bit slower, yeah. And also, you know, if you feel restless, maybe then you walk a bit slower. And if you feel kind of sluggish, you walk a little bit faster to kind of, you know, try to cultivate the opposite quality. So you don't have to, you know, walk super slow. All right. So then see you again at 10.15. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.